Hello, this is Marie Brennan, author of The Memoirs of Lady Trent, and you're listening to Podcastle, an escape artist's podcast. Podcastle, episode 423, for July 5, 2016. The Gold Silkworm by Tony Pye Rated PG-13 Contains magic, spirits and cricket fighting That's uh, the insects, not people clubbing each other with cricket bats Hello and welcome to Podcastle Where, for a time, the curtains of fantasy are drawn across the drab face of reality I'm your host, Graham Dunlop. Now, you may remember that around this time last year, we ran a story called The Character of the Hound, set in ancient China, about a warrior infused with a kind of hound spirit. I enjoyed that one immensely, and I'm very happy to say that today, we have another story by the same author. That story is The Gold Silkworm, by Tony Pye. It was first published in Fantasy Magazine. Tony is a writer based in Toronto, Canada, whose works have been published widely and some have been nominated for the Aurora Award for Best English Short Fiction. Find him on the web at TonyPie.com and on Twitter at Whistling. Your narrator is S. Chiuyi Lu, who is a writer, artist and translator, who is also narrated for Glittership and Acacia Moon Productions. You can visit their site at s.qe.lu. Follow them on Twitter as s.qe.lu or support their Patreon at patreon.com forward slash s.qe.lu. And I apologize to them for almost certainly mispronouncing their name. Links will be in the show notes. But now we've patients who need help. Search your mind for remedies, and enjoy the story. The Gold Silkworm by Tony Pye When I first became keeper of the Spirit of Grass, she and I made a pact to never turn away anyone in need, whether they be rich or poor. Madame Ke was one of the rich. She had heard of my skills in medicine from her sister, and asked if I would come to the Garden of Timely Rains. I accepted the invitation and arrived in the early afternoon when the high sun gave glow to the garden pond and terraces. A servant escorted me to the pavilion for tasting autumn pears, where a woman in her thirties awaited me. Madame Ke, radiant in a dress printed with gold hibiscuses, bade me to join her at the tea table. Though eager to consult a woman doctor, she asked first for proof that I wasn't a wandering healer. Are you from the famed medical families of Feng, Mao, or Wu? What training did you have? Can you recite classical poetry to prove your education? I understood her caution, but knew I couldn't answer to her satisfaction if I kept to the truth. What healing skills I had came by way of Cao Shen, the spirit of grass. Madame Ke might think me a charlatan for that, but medicine was medicine. It should matter not that I consulted a spirit like the Wu sorcerer physicians of old. Thus, in small things, I lied. 
In matters of lore and etiquette, I repeated what Salshan said in my mind. We might have bent the truth, the spirit and I, but what harm was there if we meant only to help? Our answer satisfied Madame Ke. She confided she had miscarried years ago, but by the grace of Guan Yin was again with child. Her voice rose an octave higher. Have you any medicine to protect against another heartbreak, Doctor Yan? Do we, Taoshen? I asked with my mind's voice. A medicinal tea might help, she replied. May I take hold, Yan Xue? I allowed it. As Tao possessed me, I became a seed of consciousness lodged behind my eyes, sensing but without control. Phantom vines burgeoned inside me, their tendrils curling along every bone and tickling my skin from within. Near and distant fragrances of flora in the garden grew distinct: bamboo, persimmon, water lily, peony, and many others. Before I became Tao's keeper, I could not name more than a few. Now I knew every plant by scent. Tall ran our right hand over our left sleeve, smoothing the silk gauze above the tattooed words that bound us together. She always did when she took hold. Be at ease, Madame Ke. I know the exact brew for it. Thank you, Doctor. Madame Ke's voice returned to its normal pitch. Tall smiled and raised a teacup with our left hand, whereas I would have favored my right. She savored it. Dragonwell tea from Linan. Picked from the first spring shoots, Madame Ke smiled. You know your tea, I know my leaves. My husband's a high-ranking scholar official in the capital, and often brings back such delights from Linan. She glanced out the pavilion window. There's my sweet fool now. What's he doing? Upon a crooked bridge on the far side of the garden pond, a stout middle-aged man clutched at his belly and stumbled against a stone balustrade. He cried out in pain. Madame Ke gasped and began to stand, but Sao touched her arm. Rest, Madame. Keep calm for the good of the child. I will go to him. Our hostess sank back down, but kept watch with great concern. Please help him, Doctor. The spirit and I left the pavilion at a pace that vexed me and followed the path skirting the margin of the water. Had I been in control, we would have reached the ailing man by now. Tall, let me take hold. Hurry, lest he fall into the water. Patience, Yan Shue. Your haste nearly killed you once. Besides, you will only upset Madame Ke further if I let you flaunt your martial skills. I hated when she was right. When I traveled the greenwood amongst the outlaws, they called me the Woman of Smoke and Snow, because of my fleetness and footwork. No man could lay a hand on me. I took Smoke Snow as my Jianghu name and came to believe my own legend, until I rushed into a trap this winter past. If Cao hadn't found me bleeding in the snow and kept me from death, Master Ke had regained his composure by the time we reached him on the stone bridge. However, his abdomen appeared swollen; his breathing labored. "I'm Doctor Yen, your wife's new physician," Cao said in my voice. "Tell me what hurts, Master Ke." He managed a weak smile. Feels like something I ate is still alive, but it always fades. Please let me examine you, or you'll never hear the end of it from your wife," Cao Shen said. He sighed and consented. Cao took his pulse. Quite weak, she mind whispered. I thought I heard a resounding chirping near the far end of the bridge, but could not turn our head against Cao's will to see what it was. Ke had a sudden coughing fit, covering his mouth with his sleeve. 
I caught a trace of red on the brown fabric where he had wiped away his saliva. Blood. I alerted Saul. Is this the first you felt these pains? She asked. No, I first felt similar symptoms after the Double Seven Festival, but they were slight. He replied, "They always pass." As he spoke, I caught the glint of gold wiggling inside his mouth. What is that? I asked Saul. She tensed. Catch it. Saul suddenly relinquished control, drawing back the ghost tendrils that played my body like a puppet. My head swam with nausea and my eyes watered, but my hand stayed quick. I darted my index and middle fingers into Ke's agape mouth and plucked out the caterpillar-like creature. A tinsan, Cao said. Kill it. Gold silkworm. It did resemble that. Judging by the horn on its back and its length, the width of my palm, it was in its third or fourth molt. Startled, Ke backed away. I tried to pinch the life out of the jin san as commanded, but it proved hardier than I had expected. It oozed slime that burnt my fingertips, turned invisible to the eye, and squirmed out of my grasp. I guessed at how it fell and snatched for it, but missed. Where is it? I cried. Ke suddenly flinched and clawed at his left nostril. It's back. Help. Stop, or you'll make it worse. I pulled his hand away, but saw only blood seeping from his nose. Don't move," he froze. "What unearthly thing is a gold silkworm, Tall? You may know it as Goo," she replied. "The legendary venom magic. I had heard of it in the Jianghu, where outlaws spoke fearfully of Goo sorcerers from the south. A poison spirit. A sorcerer creates the Jinshan by sealing a host of venomous creatures inside a jar, leaving it in darkness for a year. The deadliest among them will have consumed the others before dying itself." Its spirit then spreads sickness and death, stealing the wealth of the victims for its master. There must be a way to fight it, I said with confidence, in part to assure Master Ke. I have heard of a few remedies: the taking of centipedes, the flesh of a nine-tailed fox, Ranghe ginger. I can improvise the last if I may take hold again. Can I move now? Ke whispered. From the pavilion across the pond came Madame Ke's shrill voice. Husband, we should go to her. I said. We walked to the foot of the bridge, where I knelt to wash my fingertips in the pond. A small gourd fitted with a handcrafted lid lay on the path, the kind for keeping crickets in. I retrieved it and showed it to Master Ke. Yours? Face reddening and fear forgotten, he took it from me and slipped the cricket gourd into his sleeve. My champion, thank you. I let Saul resume control, welcoming her soothing presence. We smoothed our sleeve and knelt to pluck a blade of grass, holding it between our fingers. Saul invoked her magic. Though its appearance hadn't changed, I could tell by its scent that it had acquired the properties of young Ranghe ginger shoot. Swallow this, she instructed Ke. He did as she asked and walked with us back to the pavilion. As Madame Ke fussed over her husband, I consulted with Saul. Did the wrong hook kill the gold silkworm? No, this particular goo is strong. All the herb did was give him more time. The spirit will gorge on Ke's five viscera until he is dead, unless we destroy it. More wrong hook, perhaps. I've already given him the maximum dose in that single blade of grass. He may take no more for three days if he lives that long. Tall sighed. There are other medicines we can try. I disagreed. Like the flesh of the nine-tailed fox, good luck finding one.
If I had been poisoned in the Jianghu, I wouldn't wander in search of a phantom cure. I'd seek out the foe who poisoned me, for surely he'd carry his own antidote. Seek out the sorcerer? How? We follow the gold. If you say the Jinsan is meant to procure wealth, its sorcerer master may not be far. I think I know where, but I must question, Master Ke. Tsao was reluctant. I can try other efficacious herbs. You're wiser in the healing ways, but I know men and their greed. I could not regain control unless Tsao willed it. It was times like these that I felt less like a Wu shaman in control of the spirit of grass, and more like a Tong medium at the spirit's mercy. When Cao saved my life, her keeper then had been old Mistress Tian, a spirit medium nearing the end of her long life. Few are the spirits under heaven, and rarer still a ghost who heals, Tian had told me. The people need her, but I no longer have the strength to serve as her vessel. She'll help you save lives, but asks that you kill no more with your sword. Will you take on my burden? I turned her down, but stayed with them for a month to watch them ply their art. Slowly, I came to trust them. When Tian asked me again, I agreed at last. I let her tattoo the magical words Lin Dan Miao Yao on my left arm. Soul pill, mysterious medicine, the same phrase she bore on her skin. The spirit of grass resides here. Tian traced the strokes that symbolized grass in the final word. Speak the phrase and become her keeper. I did, and thus began our strange alliance. A swordswoman without a sword, and a healer's ghost. Cao reluctantly withdrew her ghost vines and let me take hold again. I shook my head clear and rejoined the married couple. Master Ke, you're a cricket-fighting enthusiast, are you not? Uh, I suppose, he stammered, an apologetic look clouding his face. Madame Ke's mien hardened. Enthusiast? She smacked the back of her husband's head. He cringed. Addict, more like. You promised me you'd give up gambling. I tried, my little flower, but I found a champion cricket this year, a white, pearl-headed general who's hardly ever lost. Master Ke, the gold silkworm that plagues you is the work of a sorcerer after your wealth. Sorcerer. He paled and pulled his wife close. Your symptoms began after the Double Seven Festival, when cricket fighting started? It may be that the sorcerer found you through your love of that sport. Were you on your way to a match just now? A high-stakes tournament, he said, dodging his wife's next blow with a timely cringe. That meant money-changing hands. The sorcerer's greed might draw him there. Where? Water Deer Garden, but it's invitation only. They'll never let you in. His tone told me that it was also because I was a woman. Then come with me. Yanshui, would it not be simpler to scale the walls and slip in? Cao Shen asked, letting me glimpse her anxiety. Ke should rest here. We cannot risk worsening his condition. He knows the gamblers. We need that advantage. I showed her a gleam of confidence. You care deeply for your patients, and I respect that. But we are hunting a poisoner. Trust that I know how to fight such evils. Rely on me, Dr. Yen. Master Ke struggled to his feet despite his wife's protests. When it's time to sing, he'll sing. That's trustworthiness. They say that's the first of five virtues of crickets and men. He held Madame Ke's hands and met her eyes. I will return, my love. Madame Ke squeezed his fingers. You better, you wide-eyed fool. 
A city of canals and bridges amidst natural beauty, Pingjiang had almost been destroyed thirty years ago when the Jin armies invaded from the north. However, as the emperor chose the nearby city of Lin'an to be the new capital, it did not take long for the rich to flock to the city with their money and rebuild. It was the perfect place for a Gu sorcerer to seek riches. How did you come by your wealth, Master Ke? I asked on our way to Water Deer Garden, north of the government enclosure. I hold a position of high rank in the Ministry of Personnel, but mostly its inheritance from my father. The land where I built the Garden of Timely Rains has been his before the Qin armies came. He explained, "How do I get you in? Let them believe I'm your mistress, if it helps." I replied, "It matters only that I am invited in." He blushed. Cao Shen had been quiet in my mind ever since we left Timely Snows. What's the matter? I asked. What will we do when we find the Gu sorcerer? Tell him to lift the curse on Ke or pay with his life. I thought you wanted to leave violence behind. No child should grow up without a father as I did. Sometimes only the sword may answer evil. Not that I carried one now. Its absence still felt odd. Cao Shen disapproved of my past as a swordswoman, the way I would force confrontations and rush headlong into danger. But that was how I survived the Jianghu. I found her wise in the art of healing, but naive in the ways of the world. In life, she'd been the sole heir to medical techniques learned from her grandmother, but that had been a sheltered life. You yearn for the sword because you still dream of revenge against the brother archers, Cao said, but you must let that hatred go. She could say those words, and I could try, but she dreamt the nightmare same as I, and knew I could not yet forgive. I sighed. Let us first unmask the sorcerer before we speak further of what must be done. Agreed. Is this your first year among the cricket fighters of Pingjiang? I asked Master Ke. It is. We moved here two years ago from Linan. I stopped gambling for some time, but during the Double Seven Festival, I found my pearl-headed general in the cricket market. I knew he'd win me a great many matches. He sighed and looked at the gourd in his hand. My will is weak. The sorcerer likely gave you the gold silkworm at the Double Seven Festival. I reasoned. Who did you meet at that time? More than I can count. We had to narrow down the suspects. How does a Gu sorcerer gain his wealth through the gold silkworm? I asked Cao Shen. Mary Ke's widow, she suggested. Poison's no way to win a woman's heart, I argued. I wonder. Some stories say witches of the south use gu to make a love potion, and that it only transmutes into poison after the filter sours. Even so, it didn't feel right to me. What if it came down to this tournament, Master Ke? How confident are you that you will win today? Very. We crossed a canal by way of a bridge of stone. How much would you bet? More than I should. He fell into a fit of coughs, and in the grip of illness, perhaps more than he may realize. Cao Shen said, "My thoughts exactly. What would happen if you didn't show up?" I asked Ke. A few will gain from my forfeiture. I am the favorite to win. Narrow the list down to the rivals you might bet heavily against. Master Ke stroked his graying beard, purple wing and red chest. Strange names. We're often named after our prize crickets. They call me Whitehead. Purple Wings, a mountain craftsman, building mock landscapes for the gardens. Red Chest is an aloof bastard, but an expert in calling the winner in a match. 
He's a silk merchant from Dali. Dali's in the south, I said to Talshan. Redchest may be our man. When we arrived at Waterdeer Garden, Master Ko wiped his brow dry and spoke to the gatekeeper. The man gave me a lewd look, but stepped aside and let us pass. Though smaller than timely rains, the design of Waterdeer Garden gave the illusion of depth. We followed a twisting passage behind a piled mountain to the hall shaded by honey locusts. Before we entered the timber building, Master Ko paused at a grassy patch and pulled up a long stalk of grass. Gamblers, perhaps thirty in total, gathered in groups of six and huddled around wooden tables, hollering over small oval rings where crickets battled. The duelists prodded their cricket warriors into fighting with yard grass stalks, oblivious to all else. A chorus of cries, both triumphant and frustrated, went up farther inside the hall. Someone had won. Paper money and strings of coins passed from hand to hand. The casual trade of such wealth astounding me. There's Redchest. Ko whispered. He meant the winner of the match, a broken-nosed man in a light white-sleeved baize. Redchest caught his champion and placed him back in its gourd. My jaw tightened. It can't be. You know him? Soshan asked. I should. I gave him that broken nose when we first met. I said. His name is Liang, and we'd been erstwhile allies in the Tianghu. But he's a harmless outlaw from the north. I can't see how he could be the Gu sorcerer. One of the gamblers noticed us. A woman? That can't be your wife, Whitehead. She doesn't have your balls in her hand. The crowd roared with laughter. Liang was staring right at me, yet his face betrayed no signs of recognizing me. Granted, I wore fineries now instead of mud-soiled clothes, but how could he forget? We'd been friends for years before we went our separate ways. Could I take his life if it came to that? Entertain them, Master Ke, while I speak with Redchest Liang alone. I whispered. Ke understood. He held up his cricket gourd. She's here to see me win. How about you? He called for wagers. I headed for a moon door to the east side of the hall, beckoning Redchest to approach. Remember me, Liang? At first he seemed confused, but cocked his head as though listening to an ear whisper. A smile curled his lips. Smoke snow, is it? If I kiss you, which will I taste? He speaks as though it's the first time he's meeting you. Cao Shen observed. Everything was at odds with what I knew of Liang. It's his voice, but hear how heavy his Dali accent is. He should have a northern inflection. He's even lost his slouch. I had to confirm my suspicions. I grabbed Liang's left wrist before he could object and pulled up his sleeve. Four blue-green words were tattooed on his inner forearm. Fo ko she xin, Buddha's mouth snake's heart. Cao Shen said, startled. If Liang had been in control, spirit, he would have blocked that. I said to Redchest, but you don't have his reflexes. Redchest's eyes narrowed. You surprise me at every turn. How do you know what I am? He tried to pull his arm away, but I held on tight. Simple strength won't break this grip. I said, Liang will tell you that. Let him speak with me. Say what you wish. He hears you. Liang's a spirit vessel too, Cao Shen said, coming to the same conclusion I did. She was as surprised as I was to encounter another tattoo-bound spirit. The Gu sorcerer must be Hui Shen, the spirit of the worm. The character for worm appears in both the words for venom magic and for snake. Indeed, the character Hui occurred thrice in the word for Gu. 
Yes, somehow Liang's greed has led him to the ghost of a Gu sorcerer. I've come to free Master Ke from your gold silkworm, Hui Shen. I declared. Red Chest laughed softly. You're good, woman, but how will you fight my magic? He raised his little finger. In the hall, Master Ke cried out and doubled over to the concern of the people around him. I dug my fingers into his wrist. Stop, or I'll break your arm. His shoulders slumped. With a twist of his hand, he broke free of my grasp. Would you really, Yan Shi? It was Liang's true voice. With effort, Master Ke straightened and muttered that the pain had passed. Liang, there's no honor in poison. It's the path to fortune. I trembled in anger. You'll let Hui Shen murder a man then to sate your greed? Tell me, those are the spirit's words. Mine too, Yan Shi. The spirit has shown me true power. We stared silently at one another. He's chosen the black way, Cao Shen said. I cannot believe that. Hui Shen may have poisoned his heart, but Liang's a good man. Then we must drive out the worm and save the host. Make Hui Shen abandon Liang. Bodiless, he cannot possess Liang until summoned back. How do I stop Liang from calling Hui again? You're his friend. You'll find a way, Cao Shen assured me. Why prey on an innocent like Ke? I asked Liang. Hui Shen says there are no innocents. We're all venomous creatures trapped in the prison of the world. Only the strong survive to take what they desire. You don't need the spirit to be strong, Liang. It helps. Honor had not moved him. How would a threat fare? If I crippled him, would Hui Shen leave for another vessel? No, the key was Liang's greed and Hui Shen's pride. I tilted my head towards the games. If power and wealth are your only cares, then let you, me, and Hui Shen make a wager. Liang raised an eyebrow. He's curious. Go on. If you win a cricket fight against me, I'll interfere no more and leave Pingjiang. If I win, Hui Shen must free Master Ke from the gold silkworm and leave your body. Liang stroked his chin. Yan Shi, we have no chance against Hui Shen in a cricket match. Cao Shen said. He's the spirit of insects and worms. If he can control the Jin San at a distance, he can control a cricket. And you're the mistress of grass and herb magic, I said. So long as he's unaware of your presence, we have the advantage. What would you know of cricket fights? I've seen bouts before. Outlaws gambled on everything in the Jianghu. We accept your challenge, Liang said, smiling. I nodded. Allow me a few minutes to prepare. Even if we win, they'll never honor the bet. Remember their words of power: Buddha's mouth, snake's heart. Cao Shen warned. I've taken that into consideration. I said, the plan I have in mind is far more dangerous. Remember that case of monkshood poisoning in the mountain village? Her displeasure shone through. You want to fight venom with poison? Trust me. I interrupted Ke's bet taking and pulled him aside. I need your cricket. I explained my wager against Liang. He wiped sweat off his brow. You don't know how to handle him. What matters to you more, Master Ke? You're a champion, or living to see your child? I said in my iciest voice. Ke grumbled. The second virtue: on meeting an enemy, he won't hesitate to fight. That's courage. Take him, but I'm not letting him out of my sight. He handed me the cricket gourd. 
I took as well the yard grass he had plucked earlier. You must take hold, Tsoshen. But I know nothing of cricket fighting. I'll advise you, but you'll need to transmute the grass. She could only work that magic while she possessed my body. Ever hear of a medicine water bug? You want me to drug Master Ku's champion? That's cheating. Huishen won't be playing by the rules either. We need every advantage. You exasperate me, Yanshui. Yet she inhabited me without another word, rubbing our forearm with the back of our hand. Master Ku all but held our hand as we walked to the table where Liang crouched over a fight ring. Ku pushed aside curious spectators and claimed a ringside spot, declaring himself judge for the spur of the moment match. Cao and I sat opposite Liang. A flurry of wagers passed around us. Prepare your crickets, Ku said, and placed his hand on the wooden gate dividing the oval ring. I gave Cao detailed instructions. Cao opened the cricket gourd with care and coaxed Master Ku's white-headed general into our half of the ring with the yard grass. Liang, or rather Hui, as the slouch was gone, simply opened his gourd and his cricket hopped out of its own accord. We were so close that I could see our cricket's heart beating. Cao sent her magic through the grass, giving it the potency of ginseng. We began stroking the fighter's jaws and legs with the transmuted yard grass. Stimulated, the cricket trembled in place. Hui prepared his fighter with his yard grass as well. He smiled in satisfaction and began to lift the stalk. Now, Cao, Cao reached forward with her yard grass and intercepted Hui's. Before we begin, remember our wager. The brief contact between the two stalks was enough for Cao to work her transformation magic. This time on Hui's yard grass, Hui twirled the grass stalk between his fingers. I haven't forgotten. The gate opens. Master Ku pulled away the divide between our white-headed cricket and its red-chested foe. The spectators crowded closer. The two crickets faced one another as their masters agitated their antennae with the grasses. Hui held his yard grass betwixt thumb and forefinger, his little finger raised in the air. He urged his cricket towards ours with it, the insect obeying without question. Cao, on the other hand, couldn't force ours forward. We felt a sharp pain in our right nostril as something burrowed inside. Cao, the gold silkworm. Our free hand flew to our nose. The spirit worm had started a nosebleed. Hui's cricket beat its wings and chirped. Our cricket inched back. The gold silkworm crawled deeper inside us. Our belly cramped as those serpents roiled within, ripping at the walls of our stomach with their fangs. Cao cried out, and a drop of blood fell from our face into the rim of the fight ring. Doctor, are you all right? Master Ku asked in panic. Hui sneered. Give up. Cao, let me deal with this. Ku clasped our shoulder and whispered into our ear. Even when seriously wounded, he won't surrender. That's loyalty. It's all right. I can block the pain, Cao replied. I felt the pain diminish, though the gold silkworm continued to churn our stomach. She must have dulled the aches with her herbal magic. The two crickets darted towards each other, their antennae fencing in a blur. Ours spread its mandibles, ready for battle. Hui's cricket suddenly scurried away from the fight, unwilling to engage. What? Hui tried to prod his champion back into battle, but the yard grass fell from his trembling hand. Cao tapped Hui's yard grass with ours, nudging it out of the ring where it had fallen. As she did so, she transmuted both stalks back into simple grass. 
Hui tried to raise his little finger, but struggled even with that simple extension. Red Chest Cricket has fled from the fight. Dr. Yen wins, Master Ke declared. The gamblers chattered excitedly. Hui spat on the floor. You drugged your cricket, bitch. Mine sensed it and backed away. To accuse Dr. Yen of cheating is to accuse me of the same. She used my cricket in the yard grass I plucked out there, Master Ke said. You all know my reputation. I always fight fair. Murmurs of agreement arose among the gamblers. Accept your loss as the cricket does, Red Chest. When defeated, he will not sing. He knows shame. Ke continued, scooping up his champion and putting him back inside the cricket gourd. So should you. Hui tried to stand, but clutched at his chest and stumbled instead. A gambler caught him and eased him to the square brick floor. Back away, everyone. He needs air. Tall said. We wiped more blood from our nose and knelt. The simple act triggering a new pain in our stomach. My heart. What did you do? Hui managed. I changed the yard grass you held into a fatal dose of monk's hood. The poison entered you through the skin on your fingertips and will slow your heart until it stops. Tall whispered. You will die with your vessel, sorcerer. Hui's eyes widened. You're a spirit too. Tall nodded. Liang may have outlived his usefulness, but as long as men crave power, I will have new vessels to do my bidding. Hui hissed, "And you, Yan Xue, lie to yourself if you think your spirit isn't using you for her own ends. This isn't over between us." With that, Liang's eyelids fluttered and closed. The spirit of the worm had left Liang to die. The roiling in my belly came to an abrupt end. The gold silkworm is it dead? I asked Tao. With Hui Shen gone, it must have succumbed to the wrong hug here at last. Cao surmised. Now let us save Liang. She broke the tip off our yard grass, placed it on Liang's tongue, and transmuted it into deadly nightshade, a plant poison that caused hearts to race. It would counter the effects of Liang's mugshood poisoning. May I take hold? He's still my friend. Cao Shen relinquished control. Thank you, I said, coping with the nausea. I caressed Liang's hair and called for Master Ke. The gold silkworm's dead. It's over, or at least for now. The Gu sorcerer's spirit had only fled to work evil elsewhere. His parting warning haunted me. Though Cao Shen walked the white way, was she using me as Hui Shen did with Liang? Had I become addicted to her power? Time, I decided, would tell. Will he be all right? Ke asked. After a while. Liang would remain weak from both poisons, but we could now nurse him back to health. Perhaps even turn him from the black way. Master Ke, may I be bold and ask if we may tend to his recovery at your home? Madame Ke would be livid if I refuse. I'll ask for a civil litter to carry him. Won't you stay for your tournament? I asked. I am tempted, but you've reminded me of the fifth virtue. When he becomes cold, he'll return to his home. He is wise and recognizes the facts of the situation," Ke said, rubbing the back of his head. "So must I." And welcome back. Tony says. 
My inspiration for the piece came from a fascinating article I read about cricket fighting as an ancient pastime in China that has survived to this day, although the popularity is fading. No crickets were harmed in the writing of this story. What a fascinating character we have in Yan Shui. And thus began our strange alliance, a swordswoman without a sword and a healer's ghost. Such an interesting pairing of skills and the way they work together to deal with different situations. And I'm happy to say that for those who'd like to hear more about her, the heroine of this story makes an appearance in The Sweetest Skill in Beneath Ceaseless Skies number 197. It's also available in audio on the BCS podcast. Looking at feedback now, let's look at episode 412 for Honour for Waste by our very own associate editor, Setsu Uzume. It was read to you by the always wonderful Nadia Nyaz. On the forum, people said these. Stan said, just wanted to say how much I enjoyed this story. Great imagery, spare dialogue, didn't overdo descriptions. As Duango said, left lost to the imagination. Looking forward to more from Setsu. Frank Evans said, I really liked this story. I don't often read, or hear I guess, many stories from the perspective of an older female main character with a military background, so this was a treat. I thought the characters were well defined, and the world they lived in caught my imagination from the start. I'm looking forward to reading more from this author in the future. As an aside, the author has an excerpt from an earlier draft of this story up on her website, and it's interesting to see some of the differences between that draft and the final product. And Lion Man said, I liked how this story was woven and played out. While in the end it really was more than one that was lost as a sacrifice, but only one warrior, one monster and one grandstand of corrupt advisors, I guess in the end there were three sacrifices, just not the ones they thought would be killed. Two thumbs up for this one. What were your thoughts on this one? Do come and tell us. Join the forum at forum.escapeartists.net and now it's time to go, but our parting will be brief. On behalf of everyone here at Podcastle, our audio producer, Peter Wood, our associate editors, Arunjiwa Setsu Uzume, Troy Wiggins, Crystal Claxton, Christiana Formella, and Aidan Doyle. Our forum moderators, Talia and Ossikat. Our assistant editor, Khalida Muhammad Ali. Your co-editors, Jen R. Albert and myself. Thank you for stopping by and sharing this story with us. We'll be back next week with another. Until then, this is your host, Graham Dunlop, reminding you that few are the spirits under heaven, and rarer still, a ghost who heals. Podcastle is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated. It's released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license. Share it all you like, but don't change or sell it. Our theme music is by Shiva and Exile. To find out more about them, check their website at www.shiva-in-exile.de. It's through your generosity that we keep our podcastle flying. Please donate to us if you can. You can make a regular donation for as little as $2 a month or a one-off donation of any amount. You can set up donations at the podcastle website 
go to podcastle.org, find the support us section down the right hand side and click the buttons. If you can't donate and everyone wants your money, we know that. We do completely understand. You can also help us by telling others about us. Blog about Podcastle. Tweet about Podcastle. Tell people about us on Facebook. Leave us a five-star review in iTunes. George R. R. Martin said, Sorcery is a sword without a hilt. There is no safe way to grasp it. <laughs>